Hello, it's Wayne Perry, the TV carpenter here. Can I ask you a question? Are you a DIY doer? Meaning, do you like DIY? Do you like fixing the things in your home? Or does it frighten you and you'd rather somebody else did it, like your other half or you paid somebody to come and do it? The reason I'm asking the question is, it's either one or the other. People don't realise anyone can be a DIY doer. And for, for me, when I say that, I don't mean the big jobs. I don't mean putting up shelves. I don't mean laying laminate flooring. For me, DIY is about having a safe house for you and your family. So when I say safe, knowing how the smoke alarm works and why does it beep or knowing how to turn your water off if your house is flooding or if the fuse trips and your electrics go out, knowing what all the buttons on the fuse board do. So that's a safe home. I think everyone should have that. Everyone should have a practical home, meaning everything should work as it should. So if your curtain tracks falls out the wall, you know how to put it on. Or if your toilet seat breaks, you know how to change it. But also I think everyone should have a beautiful home, knowing what paint types to use, knowing how to upcycle some furniture. If you would like a safe, practical and beautiful home, Let me teach you the DIY around it. All you need to do is join the DIY Doers Facebook group. You can find it on Facebook or you can go to my website, thetvcarpenter.com and I'll link you straight through to there. Let me help you create a safe, beautiful and practical home for you and your family. On today's show, I chat with Kate Clare from Loud Architects as she talks us through some of the beautiful houses she's designed and also how to navigate the planning applications with your local council. Is I, I tend to just write these kind of long essays just to do submit with them, which are called design and access statements. And you don't need them um, if it's not uh, in a conservation area or listed, but I put them in with every project anyway. And I always like to... You know, if it's going to be slightly um, tricky or just a bit different in design, I like to get a neighbour to, to comment on it and then you submit that with the essay. So they're already saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with this. I want this as well. Hello and welcome to the TV Carpenter podcast with me, Wayne Perry. This is a podcast where I interview friends from the world of interior design and garden makeover shows and hopefully give you some gems and knowledge so that you can create your dream home. I want to say a huge thank you to my sponsor of the podcast, which is Thorn Down Paint. If you haven't heard of them, they're an eco-based paint. And with any company, with anybody, it's always nice to receive compliments. So I spoke to Caroline, one of the owners of the company, and said, what's the best compliment you have ever received? Well, this was back in our very early days, and uh, one of our manufacturing companies that we work with they make the most beautiful timber buildings and bike sheds and the owner just turned around to us and just said you know what your paint is a hundred times better than Mylan's and that was the biggest compliment because personally I love Mylan's paints and I really really rage them so to have someone say that to us was just a winning moment. 
We all love a good compliment, so it was nice for Caroline and Ben to receive that feedback. But if you would like to try Thorndown Paint and check it out for yourself, you can go to thorndown.co.uk, type in the code TVCARPENTER, and you will get 15% discount off any of their online purchases. So you could check it out yourself and see how good it is. If you listened to last week's episode, you will have heard me talking about getting a little bolt house away somewhere, like on the beach. Well, I then went and saw Francesca Rowan Plowden, who was one of my guests from last series. Actually, I think she was the last uh, guest of the last series. She created the Design Haven for Heroes. Well, she's only gone and got my dream. Well, she's had it for a few years, to be fair, but she's... If you get a chance to look on her um, Instagram, you'll see she's got this beautiful bungalow that she's converted into this, like, proper windswept um, sea house. And it's, it is absolutely stunning. And I, I messaged her going, you're living my dream. Um, but, uh, so yeah, if you do go and check out her Instagram and look at it, she does a whole tour of it. It is absolutely beautiful. But if we didn't do the, uh, the, um, the house by the sea or a second, um, you know, little bolt away somewhere, my old little self build or something, I would like to put a roof terrace on my flat because obviously we've we've got a, a flat and we to get to our garden we've got to go down the side past the next door's garden to get to my my workshop area and, and little garden and i thought about it wouldn't it be lovely to have a roof terrace and this came from me talking to my next guest so my next guest is kate claire from loud architects and she actually designed um, Emily Murray's house, the pink house living house. So if you listen to that episode, there she's got a big pink side extension. And I talked to Kate and on her website, there was a whole um, pages about doing roof terraces and how to, you know, to do them and how to get through planning and how to, you know, create your dream home and get it through planning. And she lifts the lid on this interview and explains the best ways to approach the planning officer, how to have the conversations with them, what's the best chances to get things through planning. Um, and she just shares the tips and tricks. But also, she's an amazing architect who's also an interior designer. So she talks about not only designing a house, you know, with colour in mind, but she'll put steel in there and have it the same colour as the as the marble. So it's just not black steel. So this interview is absolutely brilliant. And, and she was such a joy to talk to just because she was so infectious and passionate about her job. And also she she just let it all out there and showed you how to how to get your dream house through planning which um and it was just straight answers so this is the main event i hope you enjoy listening to my interview with kate claire from loud architects and kate claire from loud architects thank you for coming on the tv carpenter podcast <laughs> thank you for having me thank you so much you're welcome you're welcome um you're uh, an architect and you you own uh, an architect and interior design studio but first i want to say what excites you the most the architectural bit or the interior design bit um oh that's a really hard question i would say i do love architecture it's my passion and my love and obviously i am a qualified architect and interior designer but i love architecture the idea that you design something that sits on this earth longer than you have that's it's quite a magical don't you think oh my god 
That is so profound for the first question. No, no, I didn't mean it to be profound at all. I just like basically having little bits of my personality around London at the moment. <laughs> I love that. And the little bits of personality, the reason why uh, we were introduced to each other is I had Emily uh, Murray from Pink House Living on the podcast. And the first question I asked her, because she is this bonkers crazy lady. Who, she's great. She's amazing. And she's renovated her house near me in Forest Hill, South East London. And she's uh, she's got uh, an side extension which is bright pink and I, the first question I said to her is and I give her a round of applause in it I said congratulations I don't know what you did but how did you get round planning so and to get that in there so we're going to talk about that but like you say having your little bits of you around London I've never thought of it like that that must be really amazing actually to yeah. see your work along skylines places and uh, yeah I mean I really particularly I mean we do do bigger bigger stuff out in the country and um, obviously I'm from Newcastle so I'm I've got a few houses on the go there at the moment like, including a big barn so I like the big things but I really love just like a friend's flat in London Fields or you know these tiny small little extensions like Emily's which are you know they're and the ones we're doing in Hackney are just so beautifully you know they're so cute and um yeah, I really like putting all, all a bit of design into big things or small things. Yeah, I've, I've, I've spoke to quite a few um, interior designers uh, who love working on the small bits because it's the mm. constraints almost of planning yeah. all these things that actually make the job a little bit more exciting yeah. to get through. Yeah. Um, so you say you're from um, Newcastle, fellow northerner, <laughs> yay. Uh, so what brought you, <laughs> what, how did you come down to London? Tell me your, your progression, how, what have you been up to to get to where you are now? Um, well, basically, I went to um, study architecture in university in Edinburgh. I went to art school up there. Um, I originally wanted to study painting, and then I think my mum was like, oh, why don't you do something that maybe you could fall back on if the painting doesn't work out? So I went into architecture, and I loved it. Um, and then I did a master's in architecture, where I really fell in love with... Um, I did it on... Um, basically, I, what I looked at was architecture moving away from sort of post-war Ikea slash minimalism and going into more opulent design, you know, the arts and crafts, you'll be sort of really aware of that and, and creating these spaces which actually we've got a bit more money potentially in the economy to look at, um, just look at these, look, look, you know, we had a bit we had a bit more, it wasn't just form versus function anymore and that really sparked my love. Yeah. Um, so that was a bit of a long-winded answer, sorry. <laughs> no, no um, like you're saying, you, you've gone more rather than, you know, that post-war where you just had to throw up buildings. This was yeah. more, we can be a bit more elaborate with them. And it, yes. is that the side of it that you enjoy then? It is. And so the place to do that is London. You know, it's um, we, it's a, such a hub of creativity and there's so much down here. So I moved down in 2013, I moved down. Uh-huh. And, um, and then from there, I worked in practices, both big, small, um, and really decided what type of architecture, because there's so many different sectors. Um, and I decided that I just loved small scale or niche uh, bespoke architecture. Um, uh-huh. And then I started Loud in early 2017. Um and the idea actually came from, I was doing up a house I'd bought and it was a total wreck. It didn't even have, it had a hole in the roof. So every time it rained, water came down the stairs. Um, there was like no electricity. I had to shower at the pool. You know, it was really awful. Um, and then I just sat there with my laptop and started loud. So <laughs> here we are today, three years later, and we have a team in Shoreditch. It's, it's amazing. And if anyone's looked on your, I know you're saying you're rebranding your website and everything, but if anyone looks on your current website, um, um, 
is it um, uh, loudarchitects.com yeah it's, just loud it's beautiful some of the stuff on there is, oh, is absolutely absolutely stunning so oh, a lot nice. of my uh, my listener would be I've gone through planning with my house um, and there's so many parts to it and, the, and it's, yeah. it can be quite scary and, and I think everyone at the moment who's been in lockdown have looked at their house and gone where can I knock a wall down how can I where, where can I get more space um, so if if a client comes to you um, mm. with a particular job how long generally does it take from that first conversation with you to mm. get it's more about the planning not the design say I'm not mm. about planning permission how long does planning permission generally take before you can start knocking things down yeah i mean so standard planning permission in the uk is eight weeks um, and it's 206 pounds for a householder um, or a bit less for permitted development and you simply upload the drawings to the planning portal or submit them to the council and that's it it's very straightforward but as you say it's the process so it's the bit beforehand of the design and and getting the right architect um but you generally from from pressing go it's eight weeks or it's a bit longer if you live in a list, listed building or you need um, in a conservation area, they they can take a bit longer. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah. So the, the the eight weeks. I remember when we did our loft extension, they had to yeah. put notices up to let people know that what's going on. Is that why it takes yeah. so long? Because people have to have opportunity to object. It does. But what I'd say, if anyone's listening and they're wanting to actually, you know, extend their house, so th- there was a law that came out in I think it was May last year, which it's called the Larger Home Scheme. So you can actually develop your house by five metres if you own the whole thing rather than the standard just three now there's lots of rules and regulations around this it has to just be brick to match the existing but you don't need planning you could go out tomorrow and just build it as long as it's within the you know the sides aren't more than um what i mean by the sides i mean um you know facing the neighbors as long as they're not too tall and um, there's lots of design things you have to um you have to actually uh, adhere to but um you know if you're going to try and go for something a bit different then I always that's what I like to do and I think we'll just go down to the, the householder or the um, you know the full planning route um, and get something that's not just sort of stuck on the edge of the house so it depends what your goals are if it's about space and um you know low cost then that's called permitted development that's the best option for you but if you want to maybe explore another idea then then I think the other option is um uh, put in a full planning it's probably definitely something worth investigating so permitted development then mm. um so that's changed now so you can go to five meters with permitted development you can so if you um if you basically if you own the whole house so if you own a flat and you're on the ground floor you can't um but you th- there's lots of different sort of criteria but yes it's called the larger homes and the council we're sort of, I think, getting getting it in the neck from people saying three three meters isn't enough. But it has to. On the, on the other side of it, my architecture hat. When I put that on, I think, well, it always has to. Building should, the extension should always look subservient to the original host building, so it doesn't look like these big ginormous boxes. So some houses really suit them, and some houses slightly don't suit them. So I think it's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. So it's um, it has to always just make sure it works with the site. You know, just tack on this really big square box <laughs> yeah do you like uh, like we all watch grand designs and we all mm. watch all of these probably pro- property porn we call it and you just <laughs> you literally get involved Brilliant. Do, do you do you like things to like you're saying like i remember years ago if you were putting aside extension it couldn't be in same same line as the front part of the house it had to be set back a little bit so it looked like an extension or it looked like it was a different you know it, it would look different do you yeah. do you like things to look so different or do you like to try and keep them in, in keeping or is it, is it up to what the client wants yeah i mean 
I always start with, someone said to me recently, well, why do all your projects look so different? And I said, because all my clients are so different. So yes, it has to reflect the client, but it has to speak to the site. So for example, one I'm doing at the moment in um, Hackney is called Palm House. And it's because there's a palm tree on the site. So rather than just tack on an extension, I've snaked the extension around the palm tree. So whenever you're in the kitchen, you can always see this palm tree um, and the palms are even in the cladding. So it's really site-specific, but it's also using, you know, it, it, it's also reflecting the, the character of the people who live there. Um, so I think it's a bit of both, really. Um, yeah, I think each site is so individual, whether that be, you know, the neighbours, you know, the topography, you name it, conservation area. You know, there's so many different things to consider, Um but also the people who live there. Yeah. So, so they all have, they do all have to be absolutely should be different. Um, yeah. I feel like I'm asking a fire load of questions that you know. I don't normally do no, my no, podcast it's like this. It's just because I, I I've been through this process and there's there's so many different. It's a hard thing. Is there's so many different levels to it. Like you say, if yeah. you just want, if you just want box standard permitted development, you could just use yeah. your brick buildings and it's fine. So let's yeah. go let's go down that route to start with. If mm. you know, if you haven't got a load of money. What is the best cost-effective way to put on, you know, a lot of people in London live in these Victorian houses, they just want to put the side return down the uh-huh. back just to open uh-huh. up their kitchen at the back. What's the best cost-effective way to do that, especially through planning and stuff like that? So mm. what's guaranteed to get it through and and what what have you found in your experience has been the most cost-effective way to do something like that? Um, I would say if you're going to just be you know really like like a sort of developer you just want to just add space add value um you can either come to an architect and we can do the drawings and then you submit what's called a license for an alteration um oh, sorry it's called a that's that's with your freeholder it's called a certificate of lawfulness which is aka permitted development mm-hmm. you can get going straight away and you don't actually really need to spend money on planning if you adhere to all the rules you can just get going so you can cut that 200 pounds out and if you're going to do, for example, you were saying about your loft, um, if you if, if you simply just are going into the roof, um, you know, don't add special windows, don't add um, use the use the tiles that were already there on the roof if they're in good nick, um, you know, board out board out with some um, you know relatively inexpensive insulation, and you know you've got yourself another room, mm-hmm. um, or on the ground floor like you're saying about the side return. Um, you can in London generally. I like to budget two thousand pounds per meter squared plus that. So if you can total that up on the ground floor space, then you've got a good idea of how much it's going to cost, and that would be the sort of bare minimum of how much it costs. And that's bricks, um, insulation, the walls, and um, the, to the plasterboard. That's no finishes, no kitchen tap, no nothing, no yeah. lights. Um, but just doing that and simply doing a side extension in you know in brick or um in like in breeze block and rendering it and putting a few skylights along you know that's that's really quite inexpensive um so like why I started with go to an architect first because the other option is go straight to a builder um if that's if that's all you're wanting to do you can cut the architect out oh, that's what I should be saying <laughs> but you can if it, if it seriously is about cost then you won't get the same level um, yeah. of setting out and details, but you know, and the builder ultimately can sometimes cost more money. But if you get a really good builder who's a design and build builder, 
then, yeah, they'll take your design and they'll build it. Yeah. Um, I remember when we were doing our loft extension, um, I, a piece of advice I was given was if you go to Ars's um, Lewisham Council, mm. you can go on their planning, you can see what everyone else is doing locally. Yes, so, exactly. you, you know, if you know, if you're on the same street and someone else, someone else has got some amazing designs, you can yes. look and find the architect and then say, I'm doing the house over the road and the drawings are kind of done. Do you want to maybe flip it over? I don't know. Um, but I just remember yeah. just you can also find architects on there as well and also see what precedence has, been, has happened. Can, is it right? Can you go to your local planning office and chat with anyone there and say, look, I'm thinking of this. Would you mm. knock it back? Is that is, is that option available if you wanted to have a chat with a planning officer? So, yes. So you can, as you said, take the drawings to your local council. Um, from You can get drawings downloaded from your planning portal or from your local authorities website what you can do is you can go to the duty planners office and sit there and they can give you some free advice or you can uh, do a lot of pre-application which is a, a pre-app and you pay for some written feedback um, so they basically say yes or no and whether it's worth um, whether they think it would be accepted at planning Oh, wow. So it's, so it's kind of like yeah. you're testing the water with them. So you can kind of rather than go through the whole process of the eight yes. months of planning, you can kind of go, we want to do this. And they can go, we know that won't get through or we know. And you, so you can just yes. play, do this a few times before submitting the big thing. Yes, exactly. So if I, one example I'm doing at the moment, I'm designing a, a huge um, a block of flats on Bethnal Green Road at the moment in Shoreditch. And we're really testing the planners to say, right, well, can we have three or four sets of flats in there or do you want it to just be one large house and we're sort of seeing what they what they'd like so we've gone to pre-app but with lots of different options and they're uh-huh. basically like which one do you want <laughs> it, must, <laughs> yeah, it must be hard for them as well because they, they know that if if we allow one then it kind of like sets a precedent for mm. the rest so do, are they naturally on the court more cautious side or are just some planners nicer than others i think it is it does come down Currently, I'm actually doing my own house at the moment, and next door has a front dormer, which is a, um, I'm sure you probably know what that is, but it's yeah. just basically a box that sits above the roof line. And, you know, next door's got one, two doors down, but yet in planning, you know, they're saying, no, we don't want you to do it. It doesn't fit in with the street. And so you have to really kick up a stink and be like, well, they've got it, why can't I? And then, you know, they're saying, well, permitted development, lots of, in lots of cases, they say, you have to use the materials to match the existing. So, you know, that's um, cement tiles that you see all of these boxes around um, the back of uh, rear gardens, especially. And then if you want to do something a bit different, like um, a metal press cladding, which is like zinc or a new material I just found this week, which is half the price of zinc, um, but looks the same. You know, I'm proposing to use that. But, you know, it's it's because it's not the norm and people get a bit scared of change, especially planners. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, so you have to sort of be ready to stick to your guns if you want to do something a bit different. <laughs> so that, that was more the inexpensive kind of, you just testing the water. Like with Emily's, which had this yeah. beautiful, if anyone gets a chance, go on a Pink House Living, uh, her website, um, her uh, Instagram. Um, she's got, the, you, you designed this beautiful side extension, which was bright pink. Um, <laughs> but she said you kind of created a business plan for it. And you, so how, how, talk me through that process of getting getting that through Lewisham Council how, how did you approach them with this interesting pink side return yeah I mean if we're using the sort of pink one as an example I do it to all projects but basically we really investigate what's been done in the area so key is research at the beginning see what you really could get away with um to also not the on the other side of that is 
you don't want to create something that's not going to work with the house. So in terms of scale and to, in particular the neighbours, um, how, how high it is at the neighbours boundary along the party wall fence, making sure that that's all to code and, uh, and to the, to the, each council has their own SB, SPD documents. Um, so reading up on those and seeing what each council allows. So doing a research first. Um, and then obviously having a look at what's been previously built. Um, but then it, within each of our planning projects, which I think is why we hopefully do quite well at getting things through planning that aren't just the norm, is I, I tend to just... Um, write these kind of long essays <laughs> just to, to submit with them, which are called design and access statements. And you don't need them um, if it's not uh, in a conservation area or listed, but I put them in with every project anyway. And I always like to, um, you know, if it's going to be slightly um, tricky or just a bit different in design, I like to get a neighbouring um, a neighbour to, to comment on it and then you submit that with the essay so they're already saying look I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with this I want this as well yeah. um, which I think is always quite a nice thing you've got, kind of got this story of the backdrop and then you just sort of present these well drawn drawings as well planners hate um, drawings that aren't drawn by an architect or if they're just if they, they really just dislike it so they often reject them based on potentially the drawing level at the level of drawing not to say that we're the best in the world of drawing but you've got to really make sure that they're clear um and they know exactly you know so we often do colored elevations or 3ds to support them so even if the drawings are sort of black and white they're heavily shaded and you know they really give an atmospheric look to to what's actually going to be there if the client can't afford like a 3d for example then we'll just you know we'll really detail up the drawings the elevations or we'll or we'll do a 3d um and we'll submit lots of precedents, so we'll show the planners this is exactly what colour is going to go there, or this is the exact type of timber. For example, we did one in Hackney and it was charred timber cladding, so we said this is the exact piece of timber that would be shown. And, and you, have, you say to them, also, I always um, say to them if they would like to have a look at a materials board, so we say to them, well, you can bring this to your office and you can sort of touch and feel and look at the materials that are going on the building, um, which, they are, which they like as well. Wow, so you really do present a case and you, you, you make it human rather than it just be yeah. a, an email. And, you know, and I love the idea of you, you speaking to the neighbours and, like you say, if you can get the neighbours involved and, yeah. you know, and, and party to it. Um, I, we, we, yeah, I live in a flat, which is really frustrating because it's a Victorian house and we've got the upstairs and we went up into the loft. Mm-hmm. Um, but annoyingly, it's a hip end roof, so it's, it's side, you know, it's, it's, it's slopes on three sides, it's a semi detached yes. house. Now, next door who have the whole house have gone on and done the big back you know dormer at the back and yeah. they've added the bit on the little bit of this little extension bit at the back they've added another room there we were only allowed literally a little box to get the stair winder up at the back and you kind of right. go we need the space more we're a flat yeah but um so do you why, why do they not allow like with because it's a flat why did why mm. was it not allowed permitted development to do the big dormer is it just because it's a flat and they're trying to protect the people below so a flat when it, when you submit um to the council you have to submit i believe it's called the certificate b yeah and and in the certificate b it asks you a question those walls that you're extending do you own all of those walls and you don't? They're shared either with shared a freehold or they're shared with someone else. So because you're extending, they have to then consult people who live in the other flat. So they, you, you might have had a secret neighbour objection um, or they might... They, you actually can, um, but it has to be... It's not a blanket no is the, is the, is the answer. Okay. Um, 
Um, but also with that, what I will what I will say about planning is, um, and this is probably maybe quite interesting for maybe any of your listeners and, and yourself. It's a bit naughty to admit, but you have to really play the planning game. So I've submitted a, a project this week, and rather than submit it in one application, I submitted three applications for the same house, but literally, boom, 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 one after another, I just uploaded them. And they're all assessed individually. Uh-huh. Um, they do look at what else you're submitting, but um, it's the way that I got the size that I wanted. So I submitted the permitted development one first, which only takes a few weeks, and they granted that. But they've granted that to what's called an outrigger. So it's the side... Um, it's the you have the main roof and then you have a and often these um, Victorian or Edwardian properties you have these sort of um, bits of building that jot out into the garden and yeah. you wanted to build on top of that, but permitted development only allows me to go halfway, um, and so I submitted a permitted development for the whole thing as if it was just on its own, um, as if I wasn't doing the main loft. So the council granted that for me to go right to the end. And then I submitted the full application for the main loft, which is seen as a completely different application um, by which uh, you can get. So you're allowed 40 cubic meters uh-huh. by if you do it this way, you can almost get up to about 60. So you've just added loads more value to your house just by um, submitting two different applications. Wow. And, and, and they both <laughs> stand. They both stand then, because even though they're two separate things. Yeah, then they both stand. So basically, you, you draw the drawings. So you, the rear elevation, you draw it saying, well, this is the before and this is the after. And the after just has the main box. It yeah. doesn't have the main box joining onto the... It's probably quite hard to describe no, no. over audio, but it doesn't show both of the boxes joining. Yeah. So, But obviously, when you come to build it, you would have the rear elevation dormer box people have jotting out of their roof. But on the side bit, that has to connect to that, doesn't yeah. it? So you you don't show them as it would actually be built. Yes. You actually show them in two fully different... I mean, I've got this scheme online, which looks very different when it looks like just a box on one side of the building versus the box jotting out from the rear roof and it actually they would of course they'd be joined up but there's no drawing for that does that make sense no absolutely and that's that's genius well i've probably given away loads of secrets now (laughs) planners are like damn it damn it damn it (laughs) but because that's really interesting because when we we did our loft so we've got one of those exact victorian houses so we've you've Mm. got you know beautiful victorian house so the main house the main part of it we did the loft and then there's mm. the back bit which you know is our huge um big um, um bedroom and it's got a big sloping mm. roof it's that it's always a bit that goes into the garden next yeah. door to us who are joined to us they've got the the back bit as well and it joins to us and yeah. they've put on another little box they've put another room there and it was one of those things where i was like why did we think of that you know having oh. that extra space but what i'm thinking now is mm. and, I, and i saw it on your on your uh on your instagram i well, think when your colleagues have done it they've got a roof terrace there well that's oh. yeah oh. so it, because we're a flat we've we've got access to a garden we've got to go down the front round the side to get there and, and and the way the to get into the loft we've got a bit of a stair winder so if we went up to like the first little half stair winder and then stepped out into this back area yeah and went onto a roof terrace Obviously, yes. we're a flat, so it's a bit tricky. But is that remote, remotely possible? So <laughs> there's there's two very there's one more um, the right way to do it, and there's the wrong way to do it. So <laughs> tell me both, and I'll work okay. out which one I can do. Well, <laughs> okay. So the right way to do it is to um, you have to own the roof below, um, yeah. and you have to apply for planning. I own. I own, um, I own. Well, no, I don't. No, as in, I uh, my lease says I'm, I own it. They, they, right. they, they own up until their ceiling and I own from floorboards up to roof. So I'm in charge of the roof. 
right okay you've got to be careful as well because if anything went wrong with it and it went down into their windows and cracked their sash or something then you'd be liable for it um so yes so make sure that you own the actual physical roof that you own also that you own i know it sounds crazy but you own the airspace above it in there's obviously in london we all do but lots of places there's some really weird covenants and things about where people you have to own the space above it yeah um, and then obviously it's the 45 degree angle rule. So your neighbours either side, if you draw a line in the middle of your window straight out into the garden and then you draw a line 45 degrees off that, um, then you technically can't be in their 45 degree view. So you can't be obstructing their view or their right to light or their view for pri- or their right to privacy, all of this kind of stuff. So if you're still within those, great then you have to make sure um, that your council approve it. And the council generally, I know that Islington Council, for example, they are just almost like a blanket no. Whilst you get other councils in East London, Redbridge, they're a bit more, um, they don't say no, they say if there's good reason to. Um, because we're all sort of on top of each other, you know, it's it's quite hard. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, so so I would say if you're still in the if, in the ticks and you're going to go for planning, then yes, we can sort of submit a a, um, a planning app for you. Um, and then I would say the wrong way to do it, which is what lots of people do, is you if you can sort of climb out the window rather make a door, so yeah. you're not actually changing. Um, you're not changing the actual opening, which requires planning, then if you can climb out that window onto the roof, which is structurally sound and you've had the, you know, it's all been with big 150 joists, etc. you need to get a structural engineer to, 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 to investigate it, then you could put a, a terrace up there. Um, but then, and if it's there for more than five years, then you've automatically got planning for it. So if no one can see you, then... <laughs> But I don't want to be quoted no, no, on saying that. Be no, like, no. from that Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because it is, it is like that thing with like land grab. People would go, "Well, I've been looking after this garden for ten yeah. years, so you know, technically, it's mine." A lot of people yeah. used to do it back in the day. No, my it's a sloping roof with a skylight in it, and I would have to climb out of two windows, a window to get onto it. So, yeah, I'd have to do it the proper way. I was told but that there's I, lots of. Oh, sorry. I, yeah, I was told that you had to like bring <laughs> the edge, so you didn't look down into the neighbor's garden, because obviously I'm above them, mm. and they've got their direct garden below me. Yeah. Yeah. and then I have to go past their garden to get to mine that yeah. um, you have to bring it in the bound the, the, the fence to stop you from falling off you have to bring it in by a metre is that true? to sort of stop that look yes, down yes it is yeah so you have to do that but also um, there's I mean there's, there's different ways it, each council has their own regulations to do with all this kind of stuff as well so it's worth checking there but it's also to do with say if you were standing on, on your on your ground garden um, you know either yours or your neighbour's and you look up, you basically you don't want to see you sort of standing looking straight down. That's yeah. why it's set back, and it's all to do with this subservient to the original host building, which is the kind of term of planning, you know, as long as it looks like it's subservient. Yeah. Um, and it's not just tacked on like a big box, or it's not just a big, you know, overlooking um you know it's not it's not it's not so it's not not causing a huge visual impact then yeah. then yeah so there is a few guidelines around it um so it, mm, what i've done recently which well, sorry i'm gonna say it's potentially possible no no <laughs> it is it is um and there's ways of getting around it. again just another sort of cheeky tip um we did a, did a um quite a few years ago um a, a conversion of an old pub in camden now there's there was no um there's no 
to Coco's nightclub. Um, so there was lots of plan- planning, lots of inve- like loads of investigation around it. But they didn't want a, um, a roof terrace. Now, what you can do is you can actually get these roof terraces, which is the one you've probably seen on my um, Instagram, which is this new type of terrace, which is very James Bond. But the windows, um, sorry, the stairs are actually internal, and you can press a button, and the stairs kind of fold out, so you get this sort of temporary structure, which you can stand on and then it folds back into the house. Wow, so it's a bit like a loft ladder, like a loft laddery kind of thing. Exactly. It's a loft ladder, but it's basically for terraces. Yeah. Ah. Ooh, we like that. Now, I haven't seen them rebuilt that much, but I have seen them lots of... But the one you saw on our Instagram, Costa did that and he's brilliant and my colleague and it was a roof light that you could climb through. Um, and, and the way the roof light opened lovely. meant it yeah. protected anybody from falling down into the hole. So it was designed, and it, I, I was exactly. just like, yeah, I, as soon as I saw it, my wife went, oh, I want that. And I was like, I oh, that. that's going to cost me. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, she's got good taste. <laughs> yeah, she's got good taste. So you obviously, we've talked uh, a lot about the actual uh, archite- architecture side of it. So the interior design side of it. Now, this must mm. be so lovely to be able to like design something literally, like you say, from paper, but architecturally then then know in your head what the final interior design style of it's going to be. So uh, how, how do, yeah. do, do you, what considerations then do you think about? You, obviously, you get to look, think about all the lights and all the electrics and all the things way mm. ahead than a normal interior design design it gets how, how much fun is that so much fun honestly it's kind of why I just love um I just love I so I honestly just love what I do um and I think it's like any interior designer they start with the client and they say well what really makes you tick you know as you come in talk me through like, where do you put your keys where do you cook who cooks do you move about do you read you know how do you use the space and you, you start to understand them as a person and their story but then you know you you, you say to them generally day to day like how do you live your life in the space and someone someone will say um I always ask clients to to have like a key object as well or something that really defines them and you know if they're in, into cooking or something for example one I'm, I'm li- li- literally looking at one of my screen at the moment and I'm designing um, a space for a cook and you know it's really important she really wants this um, marble splashback and well the marble is we're really running with that so we're creating a, actually a semi precious stone mark you know one on the back on the backsplash which we're taking the colors from that so these deep blues and deep purples and we're actually putting them into the steel so the steel's all going to be exposed internally but it's going to be not just black not just white or you know this steel covered round with plasterboard you know it's going to be exposed and all the colors are going to match these beautiful emerald color and and blues um and these kind of and the, it's got these purple bits through it so they're all it's all going to actually match the the veins of the marble Amazing. <laughs> yeah so yeah it's all the way down to like how they use the space really you, you must like would your mind just be buzzing because what, what i find really interesting is I, i've spoken to like a lot of interior designers and yeah. i have spoken to architects in the past but the fact that you do get to do both well like your mind just must be constantly buzzing trying to work yeah. out how to link link the two where what in your in some of your past projects what yeah. what has been the the project that's excited you the most with the interior design and the architecture joining together um i mean you started off with emily at pink house i mean i just i mean the name is says it all doesn't it you know she's got such an amazing um interiors blog um 
and I followed her for years before working with her and you know she her brand's pink and so it's having this pink cladding and then she obviously did such a wonderful um you know job with her, her bespoke tiles and stuff and it all kind of married together so that's that's a very different client because usually my clients aren't sort of interior designers so they're sort of like looking to, for us to sort of lead it um so on more like another project like um for example one I finished in um in Essex you know for a lovely 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 woman um and she was really interested in the kind of Moroccan theme but but more to do with her health actually she went she went actually she was really interested in looking at um homeopathy she she kind of was interested in buddhism as well she i can't describe her she was just she was wonderful and so we brought kind of little elements of that like into her house and it was basically the external tiles for her house as you went out through these kind of big crittle doors the same tiles were almost repl- like re- you know replicated in her bathroom but also in the sink so it had these like these kind of moroccan sinks so it kind of went from the garden all the way through upstairs you know to the to the sink and how you like turn on the tap and and then yes it literally flowed from the physical architecture (laughs) literally to like the tap you talked um, before about you know making something so you know if you you, it has a personality to it and even like you said the palm you you ended up putting cladding on there but you had like laser cut stone cladding and um, and is does does that side of it excite you as well see and you know choosing the different finishes and the different ways you can add embellishments onto a property it really does honestly i think architecture as i sort of started you know it's it's here to stay for a while so rather than do a box with a nice kind of colored you know backdrop on it um then really look at new technologies so what I mean, I, you know, I mentioned just there, there's a new type of steel that's come out of a cladding system that's half the price and it's really malleable um, and it's recyclable. So, you know, really looking at, yes, looking at new ways to cut tiles and using the CNC machine and, and, and timber and things like that, but looking at actually new materials, which really excites me. Because um, I think that's, we've got, we've got, I've got an obligation to, to look at that and actually, you know, we can go to many le- architecture lectures and sit there and, you know, I, you know, being a chartered architect, we have to do a certain number of um, hours of learning per year. So I've just been to before the lockdown. I went to this like long day of new technologies, basically looking at new um, materials, and you know, all the way down to like things in basements, so the walls and how to pump water out. But I think we've got a duty as an arch- as architects. So we're not simply just designers that's something's going to go away you know you're not you're a designer of physical built environments so you've, you've got a duty to to look at um technologies and but also create some fun with it no absolutely <laughs> like we said at the beginning you know your your profound statement of going that's going to be there for a long time even when you're yeah. not here and, you know and even as you as you're getting older and you have a family or whatever you're kind of going to go i did that you know and, and you want to be proud of it you know looking exactly back. um I could talk to you forever, Kate. Um, um, but I ask my guests at the end of uh, my podcast to, um, as an architect, I want you to describe to me your, mm. if money's no object and it's your dream building, I want you to describe to me um, what kind of building it would look like and also while you're in there, what you're drinking while you're in there. Oh my God, wow. <laughs> um Oh, I really want to do my like London pad and then my like LA home. They'd be very two different styles. <laughs> um, okay, so I think my dream building um, would be God. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I honestly am designing currently my own extension, and I really want to say that because I'm I'm designing something that's never been done before. I'm doing a curved roof with windows in it with cur- cur- 
So, um, yeah. <laughs> um, so, can I, I say my own? That's yes. really self-indulgent. No, 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 no. no. Right, right. Well, we're going to pause one second there because, sorry, start again. So, um, <laughs> this excites me. So, is it kind of like a, a proper curved arched roof and then they've yeah. got cur- curved like skylights or is it curved? No, so, front- <laughs> so, basically, the concept is it's um, you have this beautiful Edwardian arch as you come in the front door and I've replicated that exact same ratio and you go straight through. I've knocked out all well, knocking out all the walls. Basically, as soon as you come in the front door, you see this beautiful Edwardian arch to the rear. Uh-huh. And what I've done with that is I've extruded the arch. And so the, I've actually been researching like shipbuilding, and it's never been done before. It, my my building control officer is like, "What is this?" <laughs> and it's yeah, I'm doing. Um, I'm actually to satisfy building control. Each wall has to have a certain thickness and a U-value calculation, and it has to be warm. Now. If you do a curved roof, it's very, very difficult to do this. So we've actually done the roof in a way that is, it, it is just, it's, it's timber. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's actually only made out of 50 mil timber battens. Uh-huh. I mean, you'll, you'll know that. I mean, yeah, very, very slim. Yeah. And then what we're doing is we're wrapping this um, curved MDF over the top. And then we're going to then... Um, that's then going to form the basis. I have to send you the drawings. You're, as a carpenter, like you, I think you'd actually quite enjoy them. They're quite fun. And then I'm basically doing this, um, this sort of Edwardian. Um, they're called fan lights. As you first come in a front door, so you have the front door, and then you have this kind of semicircle arch, yeah. um, which lots of people put like you know number five in the top. And I'm doing that, but to the rear, but on like a bigger scale. And it's the idea that it's like. It's like a little submarine. So if you were in the if you were in the kitchen extension, you could put if you climbed on a ladder, you could put your head up and you could see, like you could see through the Edwardian arch to the front and to the rear. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah, I'm just thinking your poor builders. They must be like pulling their hair out. <laughs> no, no, I think they're all loving it. So yeah, we're out for tender at the moment actually, which is quite exciting. So they're um, yeah, no, it's going quite well. Oh um, my god! But yeah, I would say that. So whilst you're in your kitchen looking through these arches, uh, yeah. what are you drinking? Um, uh, I would, I mean, I just love a good Negroni or Aperol spritz or something that's fun yeah. and a bit colourful, yeah. Oh, Kate, that was, uh, and literally, please, if, if I can put any of these pictures on any of my grids or social, please, when you're allowed oh. to let me know, because I, I know that my listener will want to see this picture of your oh, your, your, your plans. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, there's me just wanting to do a li- little roof terrace. <laughs> no, no, no. Cosy, compact London corners to big grand homes. Everyone deserves a bit of design. That's sort of our ethos. Exactly. Oh, well, that's amazing. So if anyone wanted to contact you, like I said, they can contact loudarchitects.com. What's your social media what's the best way for people um, it's yeah Wayne it's just uh, at loud architects so with an s on the end um, uh-huh. and loud like the loud northerner I am loud northerner Kate Claire <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you and thank you for coming on the TV Carpenter thank you podcast. so much thank you so much that was brilliant thank you since we recorded uh, her interview if you look on her Instagram you will see that she has put all the drawings on of her house and she's doing Instagram stories as well at the moment because they're knocking it all down and getting it ready and she's done all these amazing 3D you know, like almost walk through the space I actually thought she'd built it, I looked and, and the drawings are that good so have a little look on Kate Clare Loud Architects, their Instagram page and you'll see um, her 
um, big extension that she's her you know conversion her renovation that she's doing in her in her home uh, her own home and uh, well I hope you enjoyed that I like I said she's infectious and she's absolutely brilliant and I will be talking to her about doing my loft um, my roof terrace mm, see how much it's going to cost whether we can try and get through planning that'll be a challenge for her um, but I hope you enjoyed listening to it don't forget if you want to try Thorndown Paint my sponsor of this podcast you can go to thorndown.co.uk and type in the code TV Carpenter and you will get 15% discount from them and last week I showed you um, I steered you towards my Instagram um, IGTV videos where I showed you the drill and what the functions do now if you look at the next video to that it's like actually how to use a drill so now you know how to what the functions do what all the buttons do how do you practically use it so have a little look at that video and hopefully you'll be confident enough to do all those little diy jobs in your house i hope you enjoyed listening to me on the podcast don't forget if you want to contact me you can contact me via my website thetvcarpenter.com and it's got links to all my socials on there and you can direct message me if you enjoyed this please give it a review um apparently it's steers people towards us or even if you don't want to give it a review just tell somebody else about it you know if you if you all of you tell one other person about this podcast um more people will get to learn how to create their dream home so all that i've got to do now is say thank you for listening to me wayne perry on the tv carpenter podcast mm-hmm.